September is my birthday month. I'm cussing at everybody and everything. Be advised. Hey y'all, I'm Jen. I'm from Oakland and I'm an androgynous, black, lesbian, feminist, and a lover of all black people. This is Darren. I'm an asexual novelist, researcher, and bona fide comic book fanatic from the widest part of Southern California. Orange County. We're queer millennials with three kids and nearly 20 years of marriage. This is a podcast about the realities of blackness, adulting, and relationships. This is That Black Couple. Hello. Wow, how you gonna how you gonna pause that long? <laughs> it's like when you do a high five and you're like, "Hey, give me a high five and the person doesn't notice you. Sometimes I do that to people on purpose. And then you like slowly lower your hand. Like sometimes oh. I do that on purpose. I will never forget this one time. Well, I don't do it on purpose. My body does it because I'm a Virgo. Mm-hmm. This one time, this woman who I don't like, she tried to uh, do a toast with me, and I ended up toasting everyone at the table. And I guess she was waiting for me to toast her. And my best friend saw it <laughs> and I never toasted her. She just stood there holding her glass, <laughs> waiting to toast me. I never did. And my best friend was like, Jen, you never tapped her glass. And I was like, what? She was like, you didn't even see her. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Virgos don't care. That's what happens. Y'all, y'all treat people like Black Mirror. Like it, you, they disappear. Just fuzzy, they disappear know? from our mind, from our bodies. I unknow them. Mm-hmm. I disremember them. I'll forget their name sad that's just the way it works it's virgo season deal with it (laughs) anyway this is season five episode five of that black couple we're calling this let's talk about books because we're talking about we're talking about books This, this is exciting so i want you to go grab some water we're still hydrating this is a hydrating year okay get some water or some gatorade or some um what's that stuff i like to drink liquid liquid iv liquid iv Get you some, throw some liquid IV in your water. Mm-hmm. Child. Super, supercharger hydration. Get some electrolytes. Have a seat. This is That Black Couple. I'm Jen. I'm Darren. Before we get started, make sure you follow us on Twitter. I'm not calling it what they think it's called. And Instagram at That BLK Couple. On Facebook at That Black Couple. And look us up on the internets at www.thatblackcouple.com. And you can stream us everywhere. Our episodes are all over the internet on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Audible, Amazon Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Pandora. Everywhere. Everywhere. So when your friend comes to you and says, oh, are you listening to any good podcast? You can say, listen to that black couple. They're found on all streaming platforms. Yeah. Drop name. Name drop us. I'm, you know, can can I talk for a minute? But of course. Can I interrupt your regularly recorded stuff to say this to our listeners you know what when they when they be on the internet like oh my gosh i'm looking for a new podcast and i just need something that's great and blah blah. people always drop the biggest podcast podcasts that have been around for a long time that are supported by these large corporations niggas that don't need no support niggas that they probably already know about right can you drop our name like share us like drop that link you have no idea how how far that will go. Drop our link on social media. Tell your friends about us. Get more people to listen. Encourage folks to contribute to our Patreon. Like we do this out of our basement and we've been doing it for like five, six years. Something like that. Because people said, Hey, we want to hear what you have to say. So support us. 
And I think we got some good shit to say. And I think a lot of people would benefit to hear it. Yeah, we black queer parents of three. This shit is expensive. Mm-hmm. Give us a dollar every month or 10. Yeah, by joining Patreon. Or 50. That's all I want to say. <laughs> all right. Well, are we ready to go? I think so. Well, let's go then. All right. You want to start off segment one? I will start off. So we are talking about books. Yes. And we're talking about books because September is a big literacy month. Yes. Um, But what I want to highlight that's also in September Uh is annual comic book day. Oh, I thought you were going to say my birthday. Well, I mean. Wow. I was going to say that I don't have nothing to do with books. Me and your daughter's birthdays are in September. The two women in your life. Yeah, those are national holidays. Yeah. Yeah. And if you were to write a book about women... Who you love, it would be about us. Yes, so if I, I don't did. even know what you're talking about. Yeah, like, if I if I did. Yeah. But I'm trying to I'm trying to talk about something. Whatever. Bit different, okay, go know. ahead and do what you gotta do. Go back you know, to the podcast. We're, we're talking about books. But it's I my birthday to, month. It, it is it is Virgo season. Virgo season. Shout out to the Virgos. Hashtag Virgo S Z N season. <laughs> I wanted to shout out comic books. Oh, go ahead. On this book episode. Because I feel like a lot of times people don't really be treating comic books like books. They don't. They you know, they're not high, you know hoity-toity highbrow well you know whatever you want to call it but comic books are amazing yeah the storylines are amazing the character development is amazing true the the fact that they they publish these things so quickly and and weave all these storylines across multiple comic books across multiple years reaching back into decades of canon right that stuff is amazing and one of the things that people forget about comic books is they're a really easy entry point for people to get into reading. I agree. Right. Because it's shorter form. You do have all of these like fantastical images and these amazing storylines are being, you know, written out for you. Yeah. Um, and they hook you and you, and you come back and you read over and over and over. It's great about setting up a cadence and a pattern and, and making reading a normal part of your life, especially for, for young boys who they always say are, least likely to be reading anyway right right and so a lot of librarians really when you when they're like oh i have a son and i'm trying to get him into reading that's where they push people first to, yeah. to get to get reading into their systems so they can then kind of level up and start to be more long-form readers no i i agree and i also think for like young creatives like I, like both of us were who were interested not just in the reading part but also in the graphics and mm-hmm. the art of it all like Comic books are incredible. It's it the artists who who design for Marvel are some of the greatest artists I've ever ever witnessed ever. in over the course of my lifetime. I mean the way that the the art has changed since the 40s, 50s, 60s is like wow. Like it's it's wild. It's love it's I think it's enjoyable to to watch the evolution from like the early comics into like the cartoons, into the movies. All of this has been exciting. So I think that if you're into also just like learning how to draw like that was something i did yeah i used the whole phoenix series to learn how to draw how to draw bodies how to draw hair how to draw eyes how to draw lips like i learned how to draw from comic books and i and i read them but i was like oh this is kind of cool i can make my own heroes i can draw my own superheroes from what i'm reading it's, it's all about imagination it is it's it's creative and i think that so many of us especially like as young black like queer kids you know it's like our imaginations were so important to our survival. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes the conditions of the life that we were facing weren't that exciting. And so we needed some type of escape for me. That was comic books. Yeah. And I, you know, I could talk about 
comic books for the whole episode. I promise you I won't do that today at least. But um, that's one of the things I think for me that grounded me a lot as a kid and into adulthood was really specifically like X-Men comics. Yeah, me too. And not just how great the storylines were and how great the characters were and how cool the powers were, but that it's an allegory for being marginalized in the right. world. And a lot of times it's it's very specifically talking about like the black experience. Black, yeah, right? black and poor folk. And, and really relating it in a way that in one way you can feel seen, but also it helps the other helps other people to understand that type of experience. Yeah. So and we can't we can't shortchange that. So when is comic book day? Uh that is September twenty fifth. Fantastic. So 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 you ready for me to talk about the day that I'm excited about? I'm very excited for you to share what you're gonna be talking about. Okay, so I'm I'm excited about this episode because I was thinking about International Literacy Day, which is September eighth, two days before my birthday. Um, right between me and my daughter. Anyway, um but I'm excited about it and thinking about it because I just visited Bell Hooks' home in Berea, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. That's where I was last week. And I'm, I apologize, y'all. This is why the, the podcast keep being delayed. It's my birthday month. I haven't been home. I, 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 yeah. Read, it's not my fault. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I said that. Because when I am home, you don't be ready. You got to stay ready. When I get home, you got to be ready. Like podcast, boom. Anyway offline conversation (laughs) but my point being right i went to bria and i was able to see bell hooks's home like her actual home and her center and her institute and when i was at her institute i saw all her first edition copies of her books i mean books on books on books on books i have pictures with these books and a lot of people don't realize that bell like she was an international treasure she was writing about you know self-care and self-recovery and loving ourselves black folks loving ourselves black masculinity in an era when people were not talking about that at all it wasn't popular right like it wasn't a lot of her books went out of print you know a lot of her books um weren't sold um widely and then and then it was much later it was into the 90s and 2000s when there was this resurgence of interest in her work so it's really it's really incredible to be in a space where her original prints you know, her first editions are just sitting there, you know, it's amazing. Um, I got to see all these images of her with Gloria Steinem and June Jordan and Audre Lorde, you know, seeing her with all these incredible activists and writers. Um, it was, it was one of those things where even though I was like super tired and exhausted, um, the trip was so restorative, um, and beautiful. And it was like, I was going into these classrooms and these young people had been reading so much. They knew everything that she had said. Her words were everywhere. They were on the walls. They were in the hallways. You know, there were little buttons. And it was everywhere. So it was one of those things where, like, you know, reading felt cool. You know, it's like yeah. we had all read the same books. And so we didn't have to, like, no one had to be like, did you have you read so-and-so? Or do you remember in communion when Bell said? We all knew. We all knew. So... I think when I think about international literacy, I think about that, like having that kind of common language and how, how we need to have that, which is why I'm kind of sad about what we're going to talk about in the second segment. Mm-hmm. But as a child growing up in a house full of books, it, I think it helped me in a lot of ways to develop that kind of common language with people. Like I don't, I think it's really helped me in life because I, I can pick up anything and I can adapt it to my, to my real world experiences. 
Yeah, just like I was saying, it's about it's about having an imagination. Yeah, it's you know that concept is about having an open mind to be able to bring in new ideas, to process them, to join them with other concepts that you've learned, right, and open new pathways and, and new new avenues to thinking and new outcomes, right? That's that's why we read. That's why we should be reading. I agree. This podcast is supported by generous donations from our patrons and listeners. Become a supporter today by heading to www.patreon.com slash colorcombosmedia. You can stream the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. When you listen, please consider hitting that heart button, sharing, giving us a five-star rating, and leaving some dope comments. This helps us with our paid drinkings and gets more listeners for the show. Thank you so much. All right, so let's get into segment two, the conversation. The conversation. All right, so we're talking about books today, but we're also talking about literacy, right? We're talking about people's engagement with books, and I always say this, but people don't read. Mm-hmm. People don't read. This is why TikTok is so big now, right? It's big because people want to watch videos. They don't want to actually read long-form content. There was a few years ago when I worked for Teen Vogue more regularly where, you know, you could write something that was a thousand words, 1200 words, and people would be ready to read it. Like they would be on there like ready. Yep. And now that's just not, that's just not the case. A lot of these online news publications and like, you know, public facing magazines are shuttering their doors because people are not engaging with the written word. And it's really sad. It's really sad. And you couple that political moment and that happening with COVID because people can't actually sustain themselves. And also with this like wave of conservatism that's taking books out of schools, that's banning black feminist books and LGBTQI books, you know, books that are about folks at the margins, immigrant stories, trans and queer stories, disabled stories. And so what we're having is this really kind of sad moment where most of folks' media comes from videos that they happen to consume on their social media timelines and that is what we call a curated environment right people on social media are presenting their curated selves those are not real people right those are not real conversations right they are making it all up it's not fact checked right we don't have any data to support it so we don't actually have you know any guarantees that folks are coming out of this political moment building a firm foundation of knowledge and as a professor this comes through in my classroom Mm -hmm. this comes through when i talk to students and i'm like let's talk about emmett till and they have no idea like what i'm talking about or like when that happened or you ask students about the montgomery bus boycotts and they're like they can't associate that with rosa parks you know like it's really concerning. It, I mean, to me, it's a breakdown society, right? Like, and this is what you were talking about when you were talking about, you know, visiting Bell Hooks um, Institute is yeah. that you had a, a sense of community because you all had read the same things and understood similar concepts, right? We're starting to lose that. You, know, you have these curated environments. You're creating all these little sub pockets of groups that all understand each other in that little pocket. Yeah. But outside of that, you know, you lose the common ground. You lose the common means of communication, you know, and it's it's really, really distressing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as we're talking about books, right, to me, you know, you said literacy. And that's the thing with books is two things. It's 
are there books for people to read mm. and there's getting people to read those books right mm. it's it's there's two sides of the same coin that we have to be focused on there mm. um and i think to your point you know we were talking to our kids about them going back to school and they were talking about things that kids in their own grades didn't know that right. they were shocked and confused the industrial by. revolution that they just learned about last year yeah over the summer they lost that information it's all gone mm-hmm. because i'm sure they spent all summer playing video, video games, games watching you know videos on tiktok and just absorbing yeah. social media on youtube right and so their brain prioritizes that information right it makes it seem like that's the most important right and i try to explain it to people when you don't when you don't train your brain to read and to retain the written word, when you don't write with your physical hand, like those functions start to be delegitimized by your body mm-hmm. and also to just wither away, right? You, you start writing again and your, your handwriting is awful. You start reading again and it takes you forever to get through a sentence. I've had this happen to me where I didn't read for a long time and I went back to reading and I was reading so slow. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why can't I get through this fucking book? And it was because I hadn't practiced. Like when it's a you, muscle. It's a muscle. And when you don't when you don't continue to train your body in these in these tools that keep you intellectually, you know, agile, they they go away. Yeah. They go away. And I, I feel like we're experiencing that on a mass scale right now. And that's and that also speaks to what you were saying about people not reading and wanting to just consume video. Right. That also messes with your ability to concentrate yeah for for longer periods of time right when you read you're you're doing a sustained activity mm-hmm. for a, a long period of in time. isolation right in isolation right you're focused on that one activity right but the more and more we get into consuming video and you know watching shorts you know because now it's not even just video right now it's shorts right and you all get the endorphins from all of that right and so your your mind is expecting that that quick hit Right, faster, the and faster and faster and faster That's and faster, right. and you it, nothing will hold your attention yeah. in the same way. Yeah, right, and that when just think about what that means when the ability to concentrate and to work for extended periods of time breaks down. Right, what are you then able to do in your own waking life? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. how how are you just losing? your own functional capabilities. Yeah, it's rough, bro. And that's that's what we're doing to ourselves that is. when we start to deprioritize reading. That's it. That's it. Now, what I will say is that I feel like I've been very heartened um recently just seeing that in in a weird way there's also been an explosion in reading and interest in reading and in books. Mm-hmm. Right? For a long time, I would say for a number of years I thought, wow, books might go away i was worried too i was like when borders when borders books closed i was like oh no it was not the bookstores are going away i was worried about the bookstores i feel like there's been so much more of a push recently for for reading to really take the forefront again um partially that's coming from the fact that there's been you know a push on the other side to get rid of books absolutely and getting back to that idea of right of that shared that shared state when when you're reading and understanding the same concepts, that's that the whole concept of book banning is about that. Yeah, it's to say we want to cut off people being able to see themselves represented. We want to cut off people being able to see other people's represented and being able to understand their shared their shared experiences. Yeah, that is that is what book banning is about. Sure, right. So as we've seen this this big push to like get books out of schools that are about, you know, things that just make people uncomfortable mm-hmm. that are just real life. Right. 
we see we see the opposite side pushing back and saying no that the, the reasons you're trying to get rid of these books that's the exact reason why we need them i agree we need kids to see themselves represented as they're growing and trying to come into who they are as human beings we need them to be able to understand that that who they are is valid and that they're not alone and that there are people like that i guess the point the point that i am trying to make here mm-hmm. is that we have to keep fighting for books yeah we have to get kids from an early age interested in reading and not just reading, but in reading a lot of different types well, of Well, hold on. I want to talk about this because I feel like you're being really vague right now. I am. Okay. So I, I, you just finished the MFA program and almost everybody in your MFA program was white. I would say at least 80%. <laughs> okay. And a lot of them were well-to-do. Yes. Okay. And I think that your MFA program was very representative of the country. Yes. Okay. Can we talk about that? <laughs> because yeah, we, we can. can talk about these books and we can we can talk about representation but who's writing them and who's buying them and who's ensuring that they get marketed it's all white people and mm. it's mostly white women that that's a really interesting question you posed there because you're right i think i think the cohort that i was in was very is very representative of the industry i think it's representative of the country i think all of those things are 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 very true but what i found interesting and important i think was that those same people were aware of that and they too were also trying to push against that in some ways right they also wanted to highlight different voices and they wanted to read different voices right and i've seen that even you know talking to like book agents and, and things like that they have the same interest of saying we know this is messed up we know this is fucked up and we want it to be better right and they were very supportive of my work. And I feel like in a lot of ways, they understood my work in ways that I did not expect. Mm. However, I feel like we cannot rest in that. We cannot rest in the comfort of, wow, people know that there's something wrong, right? We have to go to the next step and say, okay, well now let's let's work to remedy it, right? Let's get people into these positions. Let's get people into these programs. I feel like we were, we were sounding the same alarm um, when Oscar So White came out, mm-hmm. right? Because it was like, oh my God, the Oscars, it's all these white people. And it's like, well, yeah, because there's there's there, there's no opportunities for the black people there, right? The black people don't see this as an avenue that will be successful for them, or they don't even have a means to get into the industry. And I feel the same way kind of about publishing. I feel like, a, I would say the majority of the publishing industry, like the vast majority is very much on the side of, Yes, let's get people reading books. Yes, let's have diverse voices. Yes, let's champion all of these things. But it's like, how are we actually getting people into those positions? How are we actually getting more minority writers the opportunity to publish? How are we giving them platforms so that their books can be found and noticed? Are we actually awarding these people, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's tough out here. And mm-hmm. I've I, it's, it's weird going through this MFA program. I feel like I've been right, like in a front row seat to see what is happening and see how it needs to be fixed and how it can be better. Um, and I feel like we're right there. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like we're right there. We have all the pe- all these people that are now interested in reading. We have all of these people that know that the industry can be better and want to give people opportunities and, and you know, want to publish their work. All of those things are there. You just got to take that final step. Well, I guess, I mean, I don't know how the fuck we do it, but that's that's the big question but it's i think i think it comes down to community Hmm. right just like we're talking about it here and amplifying that i feel like the same thing needs to happen just in all of our communities right Hmm. talk to kids have them read 
right? Our kids love reading. They love reading. They don't, they don't see it as a punishment. They enjoy reading. They go to the library. They pick out books like, Ooh, this one looks good. And they're excited to read it. Right. Have kids write, right? Have writing is a very vital means of expressing yourself. It's an, a very important skill that I feel like as we get into the digital age, right? We are kind of taking out the importance of that, the, the importance of actually taking pen to paper and expressing yourself, right? Just in the same way, reading is all about concentrating. Writing in a lot of ways is about processing your thoughts and being able to communicate them. And we have to keep making these things important for kids, for adults, all the way through the entirety of our lives. Because as we just said, if you ever stop doing those things, when you stop exercising that muscle, that muscle gets weak. Agreed. You can find my mom and dad, aka That Black Couple, on the web at thatblackcouple.com. That Black Couple is owned and operated by Color Combos Media. If you would like to help fund our content, sign up at www.patreon.com slash colorcombosvideo. Please consider giving us $5 or $10 per month to help us build our platform and grow our organization. You can also give one-time donations at www.paypal.me slash colorcombosmedia. All donations are welcome. All right, we're back. We're back. And it's time for the reflection. Yay. And I love this episode because I like reading and I like books. Um, we love I, books. And I like writing. We're both authors. Books. Um, and I think books are important. We're co-authors. Uh, yes. Um, I have a whole whiteboard of a list of projects that I'm working on and what stage they're in. And, yes. And which order I want to get them completed and what I have to do next on them. Yes. And and I think all of that is important. Yes. Right. And I think, as I as I mentioned during the conference, conversation, it is important for us to spotlight and highlight reading. Okay. It is important. Okay. And I feel like, I, I always feel almost kind of like an imposter saying that. Why? Because growing up, I was not a reader. You always say that, but I don't understand it. I, I was one of those kids. I didn't like reading. Like, really? I was not a fan of reading. When I had book reports, I was like, God, I don't want to read this book. I'm going to skim this. I'm going to read the Cliff Notes. Oh, yeah, gonna, you were big was, on Cliff Notes when I, I met was you. I was very much like, I'm not a reader. Um, but one thing I did read pretty consistently as a kid was comic books, as I stated. Mm. Um, and I didn't really come into actually enjoying reading, like novel, you know, short story reading until I was a sophomore in high school. Hmm. And, you know, funny enough, it was a book that was assigned for class. And I was like, oh, God, I got to read this book. This was one of the times I said, OK, you know what, Darren, we're going to read the whole book. Ugh. And I said that because it was a thin book. And I thought I can read this. Was it the spook was that by the door? No, it was um, like water for chocolate. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is a really short book. I can actually read it. OK, be responsible. Do the right thing. Read the book. Right. And I read it and I remember the language was so vivid and it was so brilliant and I was actually captivated in reading it. And just that, that very experience transformed reading for me for the rest of my life. Wow. And I think that's, that's why I always say it's so important to get kids reading early. Yeah. And, and also to find the things that they like, right? Mm -hmm. Give kids books that they like. Like we have three kids in our house. And we definitely get them reading and they all read very different things. Very different. Very, very different. But they're dialed in 
and they love it mm-hmm. and they'll read, you know, a series that has eight or 10 books in it because they're, they're fully hooked into it because yeah. it's what they like. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that increases your vocabulary, it increases your ability to think, to concentrate, to communicate with others. Yeah. Um, there's just so many benefits. That... It, it, it increases your critical thinking. It helps you yeah. with everything else. Yeah. No, I, I think for me, what book would that have been for me? Oh my God. There was so many. I, I love reading. I, I always loved reading. You've been reading adult books since you were five. I, I always loved reading. I was like, what was in this book? I was, I, I've been a voracious reader since I was a baby. I've always been like this. So I can't say that anything transformed reading for me. I mean, Zora Neale Hurston, their eyes were watching God did something to me in high school. I read it and I, and something, something changed for me. And I don't know what it was. I think it was like the marrying of this deep blackness with this, story about a girl who I understood implicitly, you know, mm-hmm. um, and her grappling with like love and with self identity, all of those things felt real for me. But I also read it right after I read, uh, the coldest winter ever sister soldier. And I loved that book. I read that book in like two days. I was cutting school and sitting across <laughs> the street. I would sit at the street, across the street at Burger King and I would, I would order fries and I would just read the book. Cause all I wanted to do was read, I, would, I cut school to read the book. I cut school to read a book. Um, wow, you really a nerd. I'm a nerd. I cut school to read. You cut school to read. I cut That's, school to read. Wow. I cut school to read. So yeah, I think I read Goosebumps. I read all the Goosebumps. I read all the Babysitters Clubs. I read my, I read so many books. I had to start reading my mom's books. That's how I read adult books. I started reading The Color Purple. I started reading Alice Walker. I read a lot of things I shouldn't have read. I read. Um, I still my, got her groove back. My grandma gave me that. My grandma, my grandma Claire gave me that, and my mom was like, "No, that's not appropriate." And my mom, I was like, "Mom, I read Sula already." She was like, "Okay, that's right. I guess it's true. You read Sula. Sula was way harder to read." And uh, I still got a groove back. Mm-hmm. I started reading Eric Jerome Dickey. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of stuff I shouldn't have been reading. But just think about that. Like, <laughs> like one of the books that's getting banned right now is The Bluest Eye. Yeah, I read that. You know, and you think like these are books that you see yourself in. These are books Absolutely. that help you to rationalize and understand your Absolutely. own experiences and your own feelings. Absolutely. And they're banning them. Absolutely. 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 And it's terrible. It's terrible. It's tragic and it's sad. So it's up to us. It's up to us. This is why I have the Black Feminist Book Club. Because I'm like, oh, y'all want to ban books? I'll just send them to people for free. I've mm-hmm. been sending books across the country for free for the last two years. I've just been sending them for free. Oh, you enjoy my Patreon? Okay. Every month you get entered into a raffle, you get a book. There have been so many book giveaways because I, I don't, I don't understand the idea of getting rid of, that is fascist. What, mm-hmm. what, what, what are we living in a post-apocalyptic world? Is this a movie with Denzel Washington? What are we doing? Like what is happening here? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I also, so I think, you know, I think an extension of this conversation, uh, I have to also know, like, this is why I wrote my book, right? Yeah. I wrote my book because in that book is all this stuff right black women taught us is a a surveying of 13 different women and groups that shape my own black feminism and it's mostly people whose speeches and books are banned right now right when bill hooks angela davis i got kathy going in there people who are tony morrison audrey lord like these are people who are banned and they're all in my book Hope my book don't get banned. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you just said it, but but that that's the type of thing that's being banned, right? It's yeah. it's this idea of of thinking differently. It's the the idea of thinking outside of what someone believes yeah. is acceptable in society. Yeah, and you have a whole book that's about 
hey, black women said, yeah, <laughs> that we should be doing that exact. So thing. go pre-order that. Go pre-order that. Black women's artists. Go go pre-order. It comes out January twenty third. Yeah, it's available for pre-order now. It absolutely is. But also, I just think you know, it's up to us to preserve our own history, right? We have to tell our own. We have to narrate our own stories, and this is part of the way we do it. We have to write about ourselves. So if, they, if we keep publishing books, right? The bands won't really matter. Like they might ban the books, but I wrote book. I wrote a book about the band books. What you gonna mm-hmm. do? What you gonna do if every single book that we write is about us? They can't ban everything. They will keep trying, but they can't. But they can't. Thank y'all for listening. Before you go, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at that blk couple, on Facebook at that black couple, and look us up on the internet at www.thatblackcouple.com. Bye.